Does being a teacher automatically mean that everyone will be kind to you? Oh, I wish. Now, one thing the teacher can do is write to her students, and that's exactly what Christina Dankert did. She wrote the book, The Kindness Machine, and she may just have used some of her friends and family as part of that book. Want to hear how it happened? Tune in now. Hello, and welcome to the Power of Kids Book Podcast, where we believe that books are the catalyst to inspire and empower change. I'm your host, Dori Durbin, and today I have with me Christina Dankert. Christina is a children's book author and elementary educator and also the author of The Kindness Machine. So welcome, Christina. Thank you so much, Dori, for having me. Absolutely. So will you tell us a little bit about being a second grade educator and how that relates to your book? Absolutely. I've been teaching for 12 years and 11 of those years have been in second grade. And one of my favorite parts of our day is the daily read aloud, whether it's a chapter book we're working through, oftentimes picture books. And a piece of advice I was given in college was before you ever read anything to your class, you better read it yourself. (laughs) And not only does that make you um, aware of the content, but it also helps when you share it you can read it so smoothly and you can also build in those questions because oftentimes those picture books, they're springboards for so many different conversations. So this idea of kindness as both a mom and a teacher um, was something that the world needs more of. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see more of that in Kid Lit. And that's really what inspired the story. I love that. And I, I think we were, we were talking a little bit earlier about uh, the fact that during that time, during COVID, you know, it was kind of a chaotic and crazy time. And so the focus of your book isn't like the kindness that you would typically think of. It's a different kind of kindness. Yeah. And, you know, as a family, I stepped away from the classroom for a year during COVID. And it allowed me to not only focus on my family, but to really dig into what was a dream for you know, over 15 years to write a children's book, to learn about writing and spend time with that, and then about the publishing process. And as a second grade team, you know, when we were figuring out Zoom, when the world suddenly shut down, we kept saying to each other, be kind to yourself, give yourself grace, like we're trying to figure this out. So not only in the kindness machine does the idea of being kind to others is that present and things we can do every day but also the reminder to love yourself and be kind to yourself. Because as I did my research, you know, reading as many books as I could, that was out that were already about kindness. uh, I think I read 60 of them and only one had this idea of being kind to yourself. And so clearly that was missing. And I'm very proud to have that included in the book. That's awesome. I'm, I'm impressed with the amount of research that you did too. And I think, you know, that's one thing that uh, readers don't think about is the amount of work that goes in before that book ever gets published, which, by the way, on the cover, it says that there's a Dinkert in there also. And I'm thinking that somehow that's related to you in some way. Yes. So uh, my husband is the illustrator, and that was really special for us. Again, years and years ago, when I said, I want to write a book, you know, Chad, would you be my illustrator? Because artist by day and teacher by day, and to merge these two professions into one, uh, again, it was something that we said, yeah, sure, we'll do that. 
And, you know, two kids later and life is busy. And it wasn't until, you know, the world shut down that I was home and it really let us explore that option. And we were super fortunate because in a submission process, when we pitched the book to Purple Butterfly Press, who is the publisher, we were able to submit both the manuscript and a few sample illustrations. And um, they picked us both up, which was very exciting. (laughs) Yes. And rare, very rare. Like you said, usually they don't let you do that. So that's even better. Yes. Yeah. And I think you said also that uh, your kids may or may not have been part of this book process. Yes. So the kids' names, they are in the story and they talk to each other a few times, but also all the other names are our nieces and nephews. And the funniest thing was, you know, trying to come up with these names. The kids came easy once I realized we're going to tap into the family (laughs) and the teacher I struggled with. And in the end, he ends up looking like my best friend, who my husband obviously knows very well and uh, has the last name Wilson of my other best friend. And they're, you know, two wonderful people doing great things in the world. And it was a, a nice nod to them. That's awesome. Were your kids pretty excited to be in their book? They were. And it was so funny because I call, uh, you know, we call our son the professional staller at nighttime before going to bed. And I would be up writing and he would come in. What did you add? What did you add last night? Tell me more. And then there were days like, well, what happens? I'm like, I I don't know yet. I I haven't gotten there. So they were in that process with us. And it was so exciting when it was finished and picked up because we sat around the dinner table and I read the manuscript to them. And one of the very last lines, you know, the teacher asked the class a question, one final question, and all the students raised their hands in the illustration. And that's because that was the reaction of our kids. Mm -hmm. And so when they raised their hands, it made this piece be interactive. And when I've read it to students, um, that's what they do. They raise their hands to answer that final question, which is really special. Oh, that's really fun. That is very fun. And I can just see you all sitting around reading this together and your kids just lighting up. That's awesome. Yes. Okay. Yes. So your book is called The Kindness Machine. And I would love for you to read just even a small part of it. I want you to read it all, sure. but we better keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I said earlier that the part I'm really proud of is this idea of loving yourself, I will pick that page in and share awesome. that. Awesome. So by this point, the students have been introduced to this giant machine that is covered in all these buttons, and they're pushing buttons that are displaying messages. Connor waved his hand into the air, eager to have a turn at pushing a button. Mr. Wilson nodded in his direction and called him up. With confidence, he walked up and pushed the square tie-dye button. Love Yourself appeared on the screen. Mr. Wilson announced, it is so important to be kind to others, but it is also important to be kind to yourself. What does that look like? What does it mean? For starters, you can talk positively to yourself. Instead of getting frustrated, tell yourself that you can do it. If you make a mistake, tell yourself that it's okay if you can't do something right away. Just keep trying until you can. Always believe in yourself. Know that you can do anything and that you are amazing. I love that. I love that. I can just see the kids just watching you read. How You've probably read in your class. Have you had lots of opportunities to read outside of your class? I've had a few. Yeah. And it's, um, I was really fortunate. We have an amazing parent club who actually purchased copies for our school 
for all of our students. And I was able to read kindergarten all the way to fifth grade, little mini assemblies. And then I've gone to a few other schools and it is an incredible feeling. And this might be to anybody listening that's thinking like there's just struggling to keep going to keep, you know, it's such a long process to get a book published. My advice is keep going because when you read the book to your target audience, it is incredible because they react when you want them to react. They ask questions. And, you know, that page I just read for some kids, they might not hear that. They might not hear you can do anything. You are amazing. So as cliche as sometimes things like that can sound, we have to boost that self-esteem and help young people see that they truly are amazing. So when you read your book and you are using it as a tool, do you stop on those pages? You know, how how do you emphasize that they're hearing what you're actually reading? Sure. Um, you know, as a teacher, we have kind of been trained to do those things, to stop and pause and ask those questions. And I encourage not only teachers, but parents, because parents are teachers as well, whether it's their day job or not. And another thing I'm proud of is we put discussion questions at the beginning of the book for before, during, and after. That way, if there is a parent, teacher, or caregiver who's stuck, they have something that they can ask. And then also with the help of my husband, again, he put little mini questions in the bottom right-hand corner. And when I read those, I call them magic questions. So on the page I just read, that question in the corner says, what do you love about yourself? So the questions are meant to take a child out of the story for a minute, apply it to themselves and what it means to them, and then let them jump right back into the story. Because sometimes children have that lens of, well, this is about the character. That's not me. And when you let them say, well, what do you love about yourself? We can see what these kids love through the illustrations, but what makes you special? You could just keep going in, you know, those, those moments. And as a teacher, oh, it's my favorite. I just, I love that time for discussion with stories. Yeah. I think, I think that's definitely the education that you've gotten as a teacher. I think most adults, they get to a certain point and they feel like, oh, I've got to keep the story moving because, and then maybe just maybe in the back of their mind, it's their attention span will drop or we don't have time or I'm trying to get them to bed or whatever is coming up and seizing those opportunities where you can just pause and spend that time and, and actually talk to them isn't going to ruin the story. It's just going to add to that conversation, which absolutely. I'm wondering, was that, what was your ultimate goal with your book? The ultimate goal was, you know, I work with between 20 and 25 students a year. And I thought if I can reach even double that with a story that another classroom can read by celebrating kindness and taking a moment to share the story, that's a big check in the box. And it's so neat to see other teachers and other parents that have shared, hey, I read the book to my class or, hey, I read the book to my son or daughter. That has been so special because that's the goal, you know, to have that ripple effect of kindness has been wonderful. Uh, that's amazing. So here's another question for you. <laughs> Put you on the spot. Since your book, sure. I know that kids, and you probably see this every day out of every moment, 
there's opportunities to correct other behaviors or to instill other beliefs. Is there another book on the margin of your brain trying to get written in that notebook? Yes. And you know, what's funny is um, this whole process kind of becomes a little bit addicting where (laughs) you have these ideas and the notebook is getting more full every day. Um, I just completed a wonderful challenge called Story Storm. And for any writer out there, it is in a, a whole month of January is meant to ignite and spark those ideas. And so you just start filling up your notebook and some of them fizzle, they don't go anywhere. But a piece of advice, again, I was given was once you finish one writing project, start the next because you're the process of, you know, submitting your work, it takes a long time, or maybe you're editing it, but keep working on your craft because ultimately your writing continues to get better. So yes, I hope there's more. I have ideas written and they all have some sort of character strength um, or positive quality that not necessarily kindness, but something again, that we want our students and children to have. And will you incorporate your kids again, do you think? Maybe. They've asked me that. And I said, we'll see. We'll see. I don't foresee a series, but um, maybe I can hide their names in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's it's really interesting because when you talk to authors, I think we all have some sort of muse that we you know form our books off of, whether they're animal characters or people characters, there's a person behind it. And there's always another book waiting. It's just a matter of, do you follow that same format and make it a series? Or do you do and try something completely different um, just to see what happens? And you're right. It it is kind of an addictive thing because you have that success of seeing the kids actually appreciating what you've done. And then you're curious about what would happen if so. So that's where I was curious if you were thinking series or thinking different. I've had several um, students, you know, say, well, it should be the reading machine next. It's all machine related. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, maybe, you know, I'll put that in my notebook and we'll see. And I think, you know, you learn so much from writing one story and the publishing process that you then just take what you've learned and you just keep moving forward. I don't, even as an adult, you read novels and you can tell sometimes with writers if it was an earlier book, because the later one, they just keep getting better. And I think if they don't keep getting better, that's almost a disservice where you hope that your writing and everything can just continue to grow as you work on that craft. I think think it'd be interesting to see the kids that you had as second graders who got exposed to your book early as their reading level goes up, if that will become a question in your mind of, do we stay picture book? Do I start to transition into chapter book? Because those those fans fans now, you have amazing fans (laughs) and they want more from you and they're going to get older. (laughs) Yes, I I would love it. I mean, one of uh, I I, I would love it. We'll, We'll see if that happens. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely opportunity. So as a teacher, I know that your job is to teach. However, just in general, do you feel like kids books could be written by other professionals and what value do you think they would have for, with those? Absolutely. And and like I said earlier, I look at picture books as springboards. Mm-hmm. So 
You can read a book to begin a conversation. In some cases, it's to start a brand new conversation with maybe it could be something, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, just from an exposure level of celebrating a different holiday, seeing a different culture and realizing the power that picture books really have is when a child particularly is able to see themselves in a story. There's a term in you know the publishing world that is a picture book has the ability to be a window, a mirror, and a sliding glass door, mm-hmm. a window into the lives of others who may look different than you, who may do different things than you or have different abilities, a mirror into your own life to see your own culture and identity celebrated, and then that sliding glass door to go between the two. And I think what happens is kids are naturally so curious. So sometimes, you know, they see somebody in public or they see, you know, it could be a poster, it could be something at the library that's shared and they just ask a question and it may be like, well, what's that? And it comes off rude where really they just want to know more. So at giving the exposure of so many different concepts through picture books, you have those discussions and it just becomes just part of their vocabulary and part of their world that is so tiny when you have them in second grade to just kind of keep expanding that. So I think for anyone that has a message that they hope to share, a message and a story that they think, gosh, I wish I would have known that as a child. I would definitely encourage them because picture books are power. Yeah, I think so too. I I think about what you said too, just with the mirror and or the window, um, so many conversations between the kids and reading books. I mean, you're, you're immersed with them. And I remember just standing back and watching in the library one time and they had one book and they were all giggling and laughing over this book, but that conversation didn't end when they left the library. It was continuing on after that. And that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen a lot of change in your kids as they're reading books? Have there been books that really just really touch their hearts and change their thoughts? I I think so. And, you know, my favorite is when you have a child giggle during a read aloud, if it's something funny, like they made that connection or it's that humor. And then you have a child ask a deeper question of like, what is that? Or what does that word mean? You know, and yeah, it's, it is. It's very different for each child, for sure. And I think, you know, you talked about having, you know, some of the animal characters or human characters. And it was important for me in this case to have it realistic fiction set in a real classroom so that kids can imagine these things. But I do think there's space for that fantasy and that fairy tale or and talking animals or whatever it is, because that's sparking something else. That's inviting them into kind of tapping into their creativity and imagination. So there's there's so many different purposes for picture books. Yeah, it's very um it's a very flexible genre for sure. And I feel like even the picture books that are just picture books offer something completely different, you know, they don't have the words. Um, but by right. second grade, they they need words for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think too, second grade is one of those years that you start to see the growing gap of readers, where some readers are really, really taking off and some kids, you know, are still kind of struggling a little bit. But when they're able to just listen to someone else fluently and excitedly, because that's me, read a story, then it motivates them like, I want to do that. 
Or even if they've already heard the story, they can retell the story, even if they can't read every single word. So there's just letting them listen. And as a teacher, we tell our parents that, you know, just because your child can read doesn't mean stop reading to them. They still want to hear you. And I think as adults, you know, this audiobooks have exploded in this market. And there are times where as an adult, I'm tired and I just want someone else to listen or to read to me so I can just listen and enjoy it. Yeah. I always think that's kind of what a podcast is too. You get to hear these conversations that would be something that you could have read, but you're doing something else and you're not having to focus on that. I I also wonder um, second grade too, like you said, hearing them read, having the adult read and hearing those words, um, you said fluently, really stuck in my mind because, again, if they're struggling, they just need to know that there's somewhat of a rhythm to reading and speaking and engaging with other people, too. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, they go from the sounds first to then the words and the phrasing and the sentence structure. And so I think when they're starting to put so many pieces together, it's just nice for them to go, okay, that's that's where I got to get to. That's what it's going to sound like. I just have to keep practicing. Mm-hmm. And I think too, as a teacher and a parent, being vulnerable when we trip over our own words <laughs> and when we fumble and just say, yeah, I got to reread it. And that's okay. You know, pointing out, it doesn't have to be perfect. Perfect is the thing that we're striving for, but just let's keep going and not to get discouraged. Let them kind of see that in you as well. That's an excellent point. Yeah, because we do try to be perfect so that yes. <laughs> we're not even close. So no, <laughs> I know our time is running out, but Christina, I can't wait for people to check out your book, to spend some time with you. And where is the best place for them to do that? Sure. Well, you can visit my website, christinadankert.com, and you can read the blog and some of the inspiration. But then the book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookshop.org, or wherever books are sold. Awesome. Well, we'll have them check it out and we'll provide more links underneath the podcast. Thank you so much for your time today, Christina. Thank you so much for having me, Dory. Absolutely.